All right, we're continuing on our series, Walking Worthy of the Lord. Walking Worthy of the Lord. And our text scripture is Colossians 1, verses 9 through 13. So as we can see here, it says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Praise the Lord. Now, as I shared last week, the word filled means to be crammed or completely furnished. And I compared that to, you know, if you went to an ice cream stand and you're getting a cone or a cup of ice cream and they were just putting the two scoops on, you'd be happy. But when you go to one of those ice cream places where they cram it down in there and make sure they really stuff that cone or that dish with ice cream, you just get a little bit happier, amen, because they have crammed that thing as much as possible so you can get as much as you can. And it's the same thing here, actually to a higher level, because God says he wants to cram his knowledge. His knowledge of what? His knowledge of his will, purpose, and plans for your life, as well as the illumination of everything you need, all the insight that is, needs to be made available for you to have a walk that is worthy for him and fruitful in every area so you can have the abundant life that Jesus Christ had planned for you. Amen? So God does not want you to be empty, vague, clueless about your life. He wants you to be filled, crammed with all the knowledge that you need to have a productive and fruitful life. Amen? And we see here it also talks about the word spiritual. Spiritual understanding. It's talking about non-carnal bestial or animalistic or demonically influenced insight, but instead to be filled with the insight that God wants you to have, meaning that your perceptions, your thought patterns, your emotions are all guided by the word of God and the will of God and his perceptions of things as opposed to your own. God wants us to be crammed with all these things so we can have an incredible life. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you that you saw fit to foreknow us before the foundation of the world and you cared about each one of us so deeply that you didn't want us to walk around in a life that is full of ups and downs. You didn't want us to live a life where we're always going around in circles but not seeming to get anywhere or a life in which we seem like we're always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Instead, your word says is you wanted us to have a walk that is worthy of you. But we have a responsibility in that. So we ask you right now to continue to fill us with all the insight we need. And as we would seek you as opposed to doing things by being deceived by people, deceived by the enemy, manipulated and controlled by people, or even doing things because of our own errant desires, we ask you, Father, to show us 
how we could walk according to your plan and your purpose and your desires in this time and season as well as going forward, forward so that we could have a walk that is worthy of you. And we just thank you and praise you, Father, for this, as well as all the insight you'll give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so as I said, God wants us to be, have a walk that is worthy of him. And last week, we looked at the fact that he wants us to be filled or crammed with the knowledge of his will. It's one thing to say, I've got a tidbit or a little insight, but there's so much I still don't understand. But God says he wants to cram us full of insight. In other words, he wants you to have insight that is so rich that even if you don't know something's on the horizon, when it comes, you have so much insight embedded in you that you don't have to run off. What in the world should I do? But instead, you're prepared not only for what is going on in your life right now, but for the stuff that can occur. Amen? And that doesn't mean that you won't be impacted sometimes by things that come unawares to you. Yes, you might be shocked. You might be even traumatized. But you should have so much insight in you that even in the midst of the trauma, instead of jumping from the frying pan into the fire, you could stand back and say, okay, I wasn't expecting this, but let me calm down, take a deep breath, pray and see what would God have me to do here. Amen? So in other words, as the word saying, we're not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine or every calamity that comes our way, but it, even in the times that we're shocked by things, we still have a knowledge base that we can go to and draw from that tells us how to get through our, circun, our cer- current circumstances. Amen? In the, in the computer world, knowledge bases are something that we're highly accustomed to. If I'm programming some software and I hit a problem that I haven't dealt with before or I have to program some kind of enhancement that I haven't done in the past, a lot of times in the language that I'm using, actually I had a situation um, on Friday. I was doing something and I was like, hmm, maybe I should try this approach because the current one doesn't seem to be working. So I went out to this website that has a full library of examples and different things and you know, descriptions of, uh, at a higher level of the language even that, than what I may use on a daily basis and I found something that could actually help me resolve the current situation I was facing. So God has the same knowledge base that's available for you and I. Amen. Some of it's contained in the word of God. Some of it's contained um, in the revelation that he'll pour out to you via the Holy Spirit as a great comforter, counselor, and, and, and healer and guide. Some of it is just yet to be unlocked. That's why God talks about different ministries and I mean, mysteries. Amen. Some of it is in his mind and is going to be distributed unto each one of us on a need-to-know basis. But regardless, God's knowledge base is inexhaustible. So if you have a problem, you don't know how to deal with it, go to God. And if you haven't determined how to resolve your problem, maybe it's because you haven't taken from God's library, amen, his knowledge base. So God will fill you with the knowledge that you need, but are you going to the great librarian to say, what book do I need to read from? (laughs) What resources do I need? What information do I need to extract from you to make what is vague or confounding, ah, now I got it. Maybe we haven't got 
gotten in the presence of God to get his will. Then we looked at how God wants us to walk worthy of him. Amen. This is not something that it's like if I feel like doing it, but we see it's a vocation. It's a calling. God invited us to come into his kingdom as heirs to walk in his likeness. Amen. It's an invitation that only a few will respond to. And then finally, last week, we looked at being fruitful in every good work. You may do certain works, but it may not be God works. Amen. It may not be what God wanted for your will in this time and season. So he wants us to be fruitful in every good work that he has ordained for us to do. So now we're going to continue on and we're going to talk about increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. And the first passage we're going to look at is 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 15 to 16. And it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. All right, study to show thyself approved. By who? By God. That's the first thing. Are you going around on a daily basis trying to get the approval of people? Or are you trying to fulfill your own bidding, your own desires, so that you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I've satisfied self? Or are you trying to not only walk a walk that's worthy of God, but are you studying how to do that? Amen? I've always said to people, revelation begets revelation, begets revelation, and on and on and on. In other words, I can know something and believe I have grasped it, and I can apply it to my life, but just because I've understood it in the past doesn't mean that I've understood exactly how it affects my current circumstances. And it doesn't mean that because I've understood a concept or principle of God or I've obeyed one of his commands that when I encounter a similar situation years later that it's it's going to be exactly the same as it was before. But I should have the mindset that as different things occur on my journey, that even though something falls under the same principles or concepts, there's still certain things I can learn that are new from God. And the day that I think that I can't learn anything new and I've got the Bible or God figured out, it's the day that I've actually made myself foolish. Because the information, the insight and revelation that God has for us is so rich and endless that we can never exhaust the process of learning what God is about, what his nature is about. Amen? You just can't reach the point in your life that you can say, I've got him totally figured out. Matter of fact, the word of God says that his ways are beyond finding out. You can't figure him all out. Amen? <laughs> There's times where you think you've got him figured out and God show you something new to just blow your mind. Wow. Where'd that come from? How could that happen? Boy, I never saw that before. <laughs> That's the kind of God we serve. But the thing is, we have to be open to the fact that there could be some aspect or some revelation he could provide that we're never aware of before. We have to be open. In other words, we have to be an open book. As I like to say about my own life, we have to be information sponges, always willing to grab 
some bit of information from God about how to handle our lives, how to impact the lives of others. And as we read the word of God, it says for us to study, to show ourselves approved unto him. Amen. So as we deal with different situations on a daily basis, and as we navigate through this thing called life and we encounter things we've never faced before, we need to take them back to the Word of God and say, I'm not only trying to learn something about you, but I want to learn it in such a way that I meet your approval. It's not about people. It's not about temporal or earthly promotions. It's all about being approved of God. And we see here that we need to be a workman that needeth not be ashamed. As we're laboring for God, we need to do it in such a way that the same way as Colin Trey go out there in life, I would never want people to go back and say, oh, the way your kids are conducting themselves, they're bringing shame to your name. Instead, I want them to have the desire on their own that as they carry on the mantle, the banner of the fox name, that even when I'm gone, that name still stands and says, that, that family is such an honorable family. They have a great reputation. They're godly people. See, I want them to carry on the mantle, not just because daddy's saying, you got to do this, but instead, I want, to keep, I want to keep the pattern and the legacy going because I understand how important it is. Amen? So God wants us to study to show ourselves approved. We see here, to rightly divide the word of truth. That means that as we're going through situations, we pray, we read the word, and we say, God, what do you need me to do here? What am I what, supposed to say? What am I not supposed to do and say? That we take the word in its proper context. We don't twist the word so we can get our own ego stroked. We don't bend the rules a little bit so it makes things more comfortable for us. But instead, we take the word in its proper context and spirit and truth. And even if we have an old me ouch moment, we said the word is true and I just got to get over it. It's about him being right. And if I don't like what it says right now in terms of what I'm supposed to do, that shows me that there's a defect, a flaw, an inadequacy, some deception, some issues I got to deal with to get me right because the word is absolutely, positively, totally right at all times. So really, the, rod, the, the word of God is a measuring rod. It's a guideline. It's a balanced scale of where I'm at in God. And any time it seems that I'm outside of the umbrella of God's principles, that's a moment for me to say, I got to get my act together. Unfortunately, we're in a day and age where people make a lot of excuses. People want to bend the word. People want to be aware of scriptures, but yet look for a loophole. Well, I don't have to do that right now because that person said this or this person said that. I don't have to obey the word of, of the, that the Holy Spirit himself is putting in my mind as I deal with the situation. I don't have to obey that because you just don't understand. That's twisting the word. That's bending the rules. That's operating under a spirit of deception. Amen. The word of God says, let God be true and every man a liar. If I don't like it, if it st steps on my toes, if it whips my behind or it straight up gets me mad. If I'm open to God 
even in the ouch moments, I should say, at least there's room for growth. Wow. I thought I was above that. And then you find out in the circumstances, oh, no, you weren't. (laughs) And a lot of times you find out that even though we are growing and maturing, that as we go through different phases or cycles of life, we realize that we're only like an onion that's been peeled layer by layer by layer. If God were to give us the full deliverance that we really truly need from all the stuff that we deal with, most of us will flee from God in terror. It's just like a few good men. You know that movie Tom Cruise and Jack <laughs> Nicholas? You can't handle the truth. I want the truth. And Jack Turner, you can't handle the truth. That's reality with most of us. We can't handle the truth. So when God deals with us, a lot of times he doesn't even go to the core of what our real issues are. He's like, you can't even handle the truth. I'm just going to strip a layer. And even in that, oh, I'm tortured. Oh, God, how can you say that about me? God's like, I'm just stripping the top. (laughs) I didn't really tell you about yourself yet. (laughs) So we go through cycles and phases of life. God exposes something that we have to iron out. We struggle. We fuss and fight. We bend. We murmur and complain. We grumble. Sometimes we walk around with the lips stuck out like a little kid. Why me, God? Everybody else is getting away with this. And God says, all I'm doing is peeling a little off the top. And then we grow and we get through it. After all the fighting, fussing, complaining, and whining, we get through it. We think, yes, I've graduated. Only for God to come back six months, a year, five years later, when we least expect it, with something related to the same area, your anger, your greed, your lust, your depression, your fear, your wounds. God will come back with the very thing that you thought you graduated from and said, uh-uh. That was just anger 101. Now it's time for anger 102. And then we go through another phase. That's why it says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God wants you to take that word full measure, total truth. Don't look for ways around it, above it, under it. Don't look for loopholes on why you don't have to obey it, but instead, even when you don't like it, it inconvenience you and gets on your last nerve, take the word in and said, I'm going to absorb it. I'm going to learn what I need to learn. And one of the things that the Lord just showed me too is a workman that needeth not be ashamed. See, if we yield to the Spirit of God and allow ourselves to go through that process, even if it reproves us and gives us a spiritual spanking, God says you're a workman that needs not be ashamed. Yes, you've got some issues. Yes, you have some flaws. But because you bent your knee to me, even when you didn't like it, and you said, okay, Lord, your will but not mine be done. Yeah, Lord, I don't want to hear that right now, but I'll have to take it and suck it up anyway. Yeah, Lord, I'd like to dodge and hide and pretend I don't see or hear you when you're trying to talk to me, but I listen anyway. God says because you've yielded your knee to the process, I'll prevent you being shamed by the thing that I'm dealing with you on right now. But we play those games, blame shifting, dodging, God's call, like, didn't hear you. And we don't yield to the process. God says, I was trying to deal with you 
before you could get exposed to the world. So now you'll be a workman that does get ashamed. I was trying to spare you the shame. I saw the defects and was going to deal with them before you got out there and got exposed. But because you didn't allow me to deal with you, now the world and the enemy seeing some of those same flaws is now going to expose you or put you into situations where it comes out full tilt. And now everybody's like, ooh, you see how so-and-so went off when that happened? I thought they were a Christian. And the very time before this situation occurred, God could have been dealing with you if you had listened and said, I was trying to deal with that in such a way that you would not have your reputation soiled. So you would not be ashamed. But you, because you avoided my process, now you're going to go through a, a harder process that's out there and maybe everybody around you is seeing it. I can't tell you, if you look through scriptures, any time that somebody got it out there that God wasn't trying to intercept and deal with them first. Amen? God will try to deal with you before the world can get to you. But sometimes, huh, not me. I ain't got that problem. No, not me. Let's go back to Cain and Abel. That sacrifice you did, you know you weren't right. You knew you were supposed to sacrifice to me according to these guidelines. All of a sudden, here goes Cain. Now, here's the thing. He don't say anything back to God. Like, and God, he gets that pity pot face. God said, why is your, your countenance wroth? Why are you looking all upset? Don't you know that the enemy trying to entice you is sitting at the door trying to pounce on you? He said, if you just do what I say, I'll approve you. But if not, sin is crouching at the door ready to pounce on you. What happens? Now, mind you, God warned him, right? Murder had not been committed yet. But before he could become the murderer and he was only the disgruntled, pity pot, oh, woe is me person, before the first murder had even been com completed, God said, Sin is trying to set you up, and I can see eventually that's what you're going to become. If he told him straight out, you're going to be a murderer, you're going to kill your own brother, he would say, nope, no way. So God tried to intercept it and say, why is your countenance like that? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Sacrifice the right way, and I'll accept you. Did he accept what God tried to speak unto him before it happened? No. Next thing you know, he goes from disgruntled, pity pot, Oh, he's approving him and not me. Jealousy. Then he goes from that, anger. Next thing you know, he's busting his brother upside the head and killing him. God tried to intercept him. But he was one of those, not me. Oh, I can never do this. I can never do that. He ended up being the first murderer. <laughs> and like I said, <laughs> talk about being ashamed. How many generations are we past that moment and we all know his name? Wow. <laughs> so God would try to prevent you from being a workman that needed to be ashamed. He'll try to intercept it. He'll try to deal with your flaws before they are exposed. But we have to be willing to accept that we have these defects, these quirks, these vices, these straight out sins and strongholds in us. He'll try to deal with us in advance so we don't have to be ashamed. But we have to yield to the process. Let's go to 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. 
rebuke, I'm sorry, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So you see here, just because you're seeking knowledge and trying to increase in knowledge doesn't necessarily mean that you're trying to increase in God's knowledge. Amen? There's a lot of stuff out there. And we have to be careful on how we seek knowledge and how we choose to grow. We have to make sure we don't have itching ears that are out there just to grab on the newest fad or the newest wave or the newest craze. But instead, as we're seeking knowledge as believers, the first thing you need to be pursuing is more knowledge of God himself. Amen? If you really look at it, most of these programs and most of these disciplines and most of these um, crazes that are out there, a lot of times these people are only taking stuff that's from the word of God in terms of principles, repackaging it, and now like, ooh, here's the next world-shaking program. No, it ain't. All this stuff is the same principles you can find in the word of God 90% of the time, if not 100. But they repackage it, and because they label it and say it's, it's not from that, that Bible, it's not associated with Christianity, people run after it, but the, the, the thing is you could get it all for free. Just get your local Bible. <laughs> the Word of God has all these principles and more. And matter of fact, it not only has all the principles, but it has all the principles um, structured and distributed to us in such a way that it guarantees success. Amen? Abiding by the Word of God and being guided by the Holy Spirit guarantees success in everything you do. None of these things, whether you go to a free seminar or you pay thousands of dollars, none of them can guarantee you the success that God's Word will have, especially in union with the Holy Spirit guiding you and making sure you're abiding by it perfectly. So we see here, we're being charged to preach the Word and be Instant, in season and out of season. When it's talking about that and basically saying that we need to be so mature in the word of God, studying it, meditating upon it and applying it, that on a daily basis, whether we're having a great day or the worst days of our lives, we should be able to immediately share the gospel with somebody else and apply it when circumstances look the worst. Amen? The word of God, in other words, should be so embedded in you that it becomes a part of your nature. You don't have to think to be able to do it. You just flow in it. Amen. Martial arts training, one of the things that we always talk about is, is motor memory, muscle memory. Amen. That you do a process so many times that if you ever need it, you don't think, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You just automatically flow in it. Most of your sports nowadays talk about that, that you train yourself so diligently. You repeat the foundational things so many times that when the situation occurs that you need to operate in it, you don't think, you just do it. Amen? That's just like I was, you know, talking to, to Kyle, you know, training him on, on driving a manual transmission. I say, as I'm shifting gears, I don't think about it. My body just flows in it. I could be talking to a passenger in a car. I could be on the phone. As I'm driving down the road, I don't think, oh, I need to go from second to third gear. I just flow. My foot goes on its own. My hand moves the, the, the shifter on its own. I don't sit there, okay, 
to press your left foot on the clutch, move the, the shifter from here to there. I just drive. I could be looking, you know, cars around me. I could be talking on the phone. I could be talking to somebody in the car. And at the proper time to shift and change gears and hit the clutch with my foot, everything just goes. Why? Because I've done it so many times, I don't have to think about it. And that's how it should be in the Word of God. As we grow and mature in the Word of God, we don't have to think, how do I apply this scripture? Or what scripture is relevant to what I'm facing right now? Instead, you should be at the point of maturity in God that as things present themselves, expected or unexpected, you are so knowledgeable, so used to walking in the principles of God and being attuned by the Spirit on what you should do, that when things occur, you go on autopilot and you just flow in the things of God. Amen? So when you got to run back, and like, oh, what's that scripture again? Pastor, are you available to talk about? You don't wait to the time of danger and calamity to suddenly say, oh, I'm hungry for the word of God. It should be a daily part of your life. Amen? So when the need occurs, you just flow. Thank you, Jesus. But unfortunately, like I said, we're in a generation that is continually seeking knowledge, but not necessarily the truth according to the word of God. We see here, it tells us that people after their own lusts shall find teachers that will teach them the stuff that they want to hear. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to be told about myself. I want to do what I want to do. And you have the nerve to say, I want to grow in knowledge but I'm not going to sit under somebody's tutelage unless they teach the stuff I want to hear. How are you really growing when somebody only teach you the stuff you want to hear? All they're doing is parroting back the very thing that is already in you. You're not growing. You're just getting your ego stroked. You're being enabled. You're just repeating back and rehearsing the very stuff that you're about that that's in your character, nothing that will challenge you and, 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 and cause you to grow. Pain and resistance are very good for growth. If you never challenge yourself, if you never allow yourself to be broken down and told about yourself, how can you ever expand your horizons and get to the next level? So thank God that he tells us not to find people that will only teach us after what we want to hear, but instead people that will tell us what we need to hear, whether we like it or not. It says here that people have itching ears shall be turned away from the truth, and the truth that they seek will only become fables. How many people we've seen that have got themselves boxed into a corner or circumstances that they can't seem to get out of because they followed after their own desires? Amen. But yet the Spirit of God guarantees you that he will never get you in a place where you're boxed in like that. We see here that we should not only be growing, but we should be able to endure inflictions, do the work of evangelists. That means we can not only walk in the principles of God and have full grasp of them, but be able to share that in the life of somebody else that's in need as well. That's the type of growth that God has for us in mind. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to hear it. Let's go over to Ezekiel chapter 14. Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. 
Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? Therefore speak unto them and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because they are all estranged from me through their idols. So here's the thing. I have people do this, you know, on and off. I've had people do this over the years and Pam as well. You know, I'm just minding my business come walking into a church and somebody that knows me as a prophet will be like I know you got a word for me <laughs> you knew my past history if I got a word for you you probably won't like it <laughs> but the thing is if I got a word for you you don't have to seek me you don't have to seek me now either the Lord will set the stages so I'll run into you or God will set it up so I can contact you. A perfect example. I was working in Trenton years ago. So I leave the house. I'm driving up to Trenton. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit shows me this woman that was at Salt Rock the previous day. And I was like, okay, well, I, you know, I remember seeing a woman come up for the altar call. No, actually, somebody went back to her sitting in the audience and, and prayed for her. So I said, I remember the person that you're talking about because he showed me her and he showed me the outfit she had on. But I was like, Lord, I never met her before. I don't know her name. I know who you're talking about because you brought it back from my remembrance. But I was like, I don't know the person and I don't know if they'll even come back again. And, and first the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, here's all the stuff you're going to tell her. So he proceeds. I'm driving up 295. <laughs> He starts telling you, you're going to tell her this, and you're going to tell her that, and you're going to tell her this, and you're going to tell her that. I'm like, okay, got it. I said, but we still have an issue. I don't know how to contact this person, and I don't know if I ever see the person again. And then he starts telling me more stuff he's, that I'm going to tell her. And then all of a sudden, he shows me um, the person that she came with, who ended up, you know, Linda Luca. And I said, oh, I know how to contact Linda Luca. So once he got it straight in my head, how are you going to contact this person through the mutual connection? He's like, now I'm going to let you feel her pain. I'm driving down 295. I am bawling like a baby. I'm talking about flood. I could have had a bucket. I'm driving down 295 with a stick. You might as well put like a, a bucket in my lap. I mean, I ain't just like eyes watering and getting wet around the edges. I'm talking about people probably driving by like, the whole world <laughs> I'm just driving down the road and I am bawling he's like I'm let you feel her pain because what he's it wasn't that the Lord wanted me to cry he wanted me to know the urgency of taking what I told you to speak into the life of this woman to give her comfort you're not going to be able to share it right unless you know the pain that this woman's going through so you really have the full compassion to reach her and to share that message so once I you know got I think it was about 20-something minutes from work, and I finished my crying regimen. And I was like, I dialed up Linda Luca, and I said, hey, you know, um, the Holy Spirit gave me some stuff. 
to tell your friend that came to church with you yesterday, but I don't know how to reach her. She's like, oh, yeah, her name is so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. Here's her number, blah, blah, blah. So then she, she, I get off the phone with her. I call this woman up. I said, you know, you don't know me, but my name, my name is Brian Fox. I'm one of the ministers at Salt Rock. And I said, the Holy Spirit has some stuff for me to tell you. And actually, I got the time wrong. I said I was about 25 minutes from work. No, I was not that close. Because now I recall distinctly for the next 45 minutes, I shared everything the Holy Spirit gave me for this woman. And when I was done, she's like, you are totally, thoroughly in my world. And I know that only God could have told you this stuff. So I ministered to her, and everything I hit was right on the mark. But um, it was just totally the Holy Spirit. Amen? So if God wants to get a message to you, God will make a way to get that message to you. You don't have to chase the person down. Now, as we're talking about our, our, tech, our scripture from the book of Ezekiel, unfortunately, some people are looking for a word, but unlike this woman who was open to a word that would bring her healing and comfort, that she was coming out of her circumstances, there's people out there that are seeking a word from the Lord, but they don't really want God's word. They want God to sanction their own mess. I want this. It's not appropriate for my life. I want it, and I want it now. And it could be something that's geared out of their lust, their pride, their greed, their arrogance, something that they want, but they want God to put his stamp of approval on it. And God says, no, I'm not going to put my stamp of approval on it. But you keep coming to me, asking for it, asking for it, asking for it. And God says, it gets to the point that you idolize and desire it so much that even when I speak to you, I can't get through because you've put a stumbling block here that basically, God, I hear you and what I want to hear but I stop my ears to the truth of what you're trying to share with me. So it gets to a point where the people are lusting for things so much that God says, okay, you don't want the truth? I'm going to let you go to one of my servants, and when you come to them and say, give me a word for the Lord, I'm going to allow them to give you something that's contrary to what really you would have got. I'm going to give you the desires of your heart and speak towards the word that you desired and lusted for because it's an idol, but I'm not going to speak that word into your life to bring you healing, deliverance, restoration, success. I'm going to give you the words you want according to your idolatry that you will go further into your idolatry and it will sift you as wheat, bust you up, tear your life up and spank you so hard that now you repent and come back to me and say, uh, Lord, could you give me what you really have for me now? And I've seen that happen. <laughs> I actually preached that scripture as somebody literally was walking into a church one time as I was sharing it. And the Lord, I had already given that person a word that they did not want to hear regarding a relationship with they, that they were in. The person said, oh, you're being mean to me. You make me feel like I'm an inch tall. You're hurting me, blah, blah, blah. I say, I, this is what the Lord said. person didn't want to hear it. Even with me preaching that verse, as the person walked in, they didn't want to hear it, went their own way. And then probably about three to five years later, the person came back to me, should have listened to you. So I not only know about this verse, but I know people who basically set up idols of, I want this. And not only I want this, but they even try to spiritualize it. They found people that would pray and say, do what you say, because this is the Lord's word when it wasn't. I know people that this has happened to. And I'm telling you, they paid the price. So if you lust after something so much that you even try to get God's stamp of approval, even against God, and God says you won't change your heart's attitude, you keep pursuing it, God will allow you 
to get a so-called stamp, which really isn't, to lead you further and then get you to the place where you get spanked and then God's like, do I have your attention now? The thing is, that sounds harsh, but actually it's a form of love. Because God's like, I love you enough that if I have to allow you to go into your mess and get your butt beat and that'll result in you finally truly repenting and saying, I'm yielded to you, God says, I'll let you get sifted then. He wants to avoid that, but he still loves you enough that you have to get your full of it. Go. I'll be waiting for you when you come back. And it's just a shame that some believers have to go that route. So we cannot have the mindset, or we shouldn't have the mindset, that we could straddle the fence and come to God when it suits our purposes. Nor should we try to trust in mankind's devices, try to bend God's arms to, even against his will, tell us that he sanctions what we're doing. And we need to have a sense of godly fear that we keep pursuing something. And here's the thing. We know in our inner hearts that we're not right. And that's where the true idolatry is. The, the idolatry is not in the things you're pursuing. There's a form of idolatry, but the greatest idolatry is not in the things you're pursuing, whether it's material things, fame, fortune, relationships. That is not the greatest idol. That's actually the mini idol. The greatest idol is your heart's desire that even though you know deep down you're not right, you keep pursuing it anyway. That's the greatest idol. The idol of I want it no matter what God says, and I'm going to keep pursuing it. That's where it's scary. And it's a shame that some people have to go through the process of not just the reprovement of God where he chastises us in, our, in that still small voice or he deals with us in our dreams, or he has somebody to try to gently nudge us in the right direction and refuse to listen. The harsh part about it is that we get ourselves to the point where we just go full tilt out on doing our own bidding, and then life, people, the enemy sifts us as wheat, gives us a beating, and then we let come, I got what I wanted. <laughs> and you see it for what it is. That's such a shameful thing. But unfortunately, a lot of people in this day and age are living that way. So we want to have a walk worthy of the Lord. We not only want to increase in the knowledge of God and grow in him in terms of the principles of God, but we also need to grow in the area of even if I don't totally understand it or agree with God, I have to abide by his wishes anyway. That's probably one of the biggest areas in terms of increasing in our knowledge of God. A lot of us, we read the Bible multiple times. We know the principles. We choose not to do them, but we know the principles of God. The area of growth is abiding by what we know, being committed to do what we know to be true. We don't have a ton of, really, if you think about it, people who have been in church for a while, even if they can't quote the Scripture, even if they don't know the Greek and Hebrew, the main problem is not that, oh, I don't know the principle of God here. No, we know it. We just choose not to do it. So that is the biggest area of growth. A lot of people are like, oh, this ain't deep enough. I got to find this book or this conf conference. I'm trying to get into the inner things of God. You're not doing God one-on-one. Why are you trying to dig out the shovels and I need something deep? You ain't living the simple stuff. 
Oh, yeah, I want to. I want God to give me the Ph.D. level revelation. And not doing Christianity 101. You know, I've seen people like trying to get the deep stuff. I need something deep. You're not living the stuff that I taught people in new members class, in discipleship class. I mean, in discipleship class, I taught on tithes and offering. I taught on faith. I taught on temptation. I taught on obedience. I taught on prayers. I taught about studying. I taught about uh, your commitment to church attendance and different things, family structure. I mean, there's Christians out here that don't live that. That's the stuff I taught to people that were new converts that just got saved. And there's people who have been saved 10, 20 years. I can go back and teach them this stuff, and they would think it's not deep enough for them, but I'm like, you're not living it. So why am I, why am I getting to spiritual warfare and prophetics and stuff like that? Well, you can't live the, the basic fundamental stuff. And this is one of the biggest crises in the, in the church today. Everybody wants to be deep and not, not living the foundational principles. And it's not just even that. It's just uh, even, even the character of Christ. Save 20 years is still manipulating people. Still, still being mean-spirited. Still talking about people's backs and doing different stuff. Why should somebody teach you the, the, the hermeneutics and stuff and you're not doing Bible 101? <laughs> the Lord talks about blessed are the meek. We're not even meek. Oh, give me the... I want to fight legions of demons. You can't even show up every week. How can I give you the deep, the meat... We are not doing the milk of the word. Amen? So increasing in the knowledge of God is not only hearing this stuff, but actually applying it and walking in it on a daily basis and getting to the point where your mind, your emotions, your perceptions, your actions, or your, your lack of actions are aligned closely with God and his spirit so that nobody has to keep beating you over the head with it. And you're not going in a continuous circle of the same thing over and over and over. All right, next thing I want to look at is that it talked about us being strengthened with all might. Strengthened with all might. And our first scripture we're going to look at is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all fullness of God. Hallelujah. See here, God, according to his riches, amen, wants us to be strengthened with might. How? By his spirit. And where? In the inner man. It's good for us to take care of our physical bodies, but God wants the strongest thing about you to be that inward person. Amen? It's not so much about the outside. And that's what made the difference in David versus all the other people. They were trained in battle. They knew how to use sword and shield. They knew, knew how to fight hand, by, hand to hand. They were warriors. And he was just a shepherd boy out there with sheep, came there during the time of them fighting Goliath with some bread, they said he was ruddy. 
you know, the word means like rosy-cheeked. I mean, come on, we're talking warriors, and you're rosy-cheeked and, and shorter, and you're the shepherd boy, and we're warriors. And, I mean, back in the day when I was growing, like, he's soft. Coming up here, man, we, we're on the battlefield. We ain't got to, man, you go back there with your sheep. But yet he had something inside him that none of the other people had. He had the revelation of what God could do for him, whose name he was serving, and even though everybody, including King Saul, would not go out there to face Goliath, he had the mindset that it is not me who's going to beat him anyway. Amen? It is the godly confidence inside of me. It is the profession of faith inside of me that will enable me to beat this monster of a man. Amen? So it's more about what is inside of us as opposed to what is outside. And we see here that God would grant us according to the riches of his glory. Think about that, the riches of God's glory. God says that he would grant us the power by his spirit to be strengthened in our inner man. Amen? So that means that we can get to the place in God that no matter what calamity or trauma comes our way, we have enough inner strength inside of us that instead of us murmuring, complaining, speaking in, in unbelief regarding God, running off and serving another master or trying to do things in haste and out of our emotions and our trauma, instead of us doing those things, when calamity hits, we may not know how to handle it yet or how to overcome it, but we have this inner strength about us that says, I'm going to stand still and see the salvation of God because he's going to enable me to do what I can't do. I don't have enough physical strength. I don't have enough insight. I don't even have enough inner strength outside of God to even do anything more than to bite my fingernails, rip out my hair, or have it fall out from stress, and sit there tossing and turning in my bed every night. But God wants to get us to the place where our relationship is cultivated to the point that even though this thing is earth-shattering from the natural, I somehow can stand here and say everything's going to be all right because the strength of God now is fortifying me so that I don't flip out. <laughs> Amen? This is some stuff that hits you that you'd be like, man, if it were not for God, I would be flipping out right now. Babbling, <laughs> just losing my mind. And people even look at you and say, how in the world can you sit there and look so calm? Because I'm on autopilot right now. I can't even allow myself to think. I can't allow myself to speak outside the spirit of God because if it's not for him, I will go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I got to trust in God because I can't see a way out, but I know he sees the way out. And therefore, I ain't going to flip out. I'm not going to have a nervous breakdown. I'm not going to go to the, you know, the mental asylum. I'm not going to drink a bottle of booze or use drugs. I'm not going to run to that person or this person. I, I'm just going to stand here and say, God, you got this. Because there's no way I could do it. And the thing is, that is the inner strength that God wants us to have. And we see here, he not only gives us inner strength, but one of the reasons that we can stand still, it says that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. In other words, he's made an abode. His presence, his character, his peace, his inner voice speaking to us to give us the faith to hang in there when things are going wrong. 
It says that these attributes will dwell in our heart. See, it's one thing for you to say, I trust God, and it's lip service. And one day I trust God, the next I'm murmuring and complaining. One day I'm full of confidence in God, the next I'm not quite sure. No, this is not like Christ coming in and out of my life, and he's just a visitor. That sometimes here, and sometimes I'm going through stuff, and Christ is nowhere to be found. We're talking about a relationship and a growth process and a maturity in God that it says that God has made your heart, I mean, his abode. He resides there all the time. So on the best of days, Christ is abiding. And on the worst of days, he's also abiding. Christ has made an abode inside of your house, a permanent residence inside of you that enables you to handle every day of your life. We see here also, it talks about us being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Just think about that. You're rooted and grounded in something. That means that you're not unstable. You're not shifting all all over the place. You're not located in one place one day. You're located somewhere else the next. When you're rooted and grounded somewhere, that means that you have basically shored your foundation so it's locked into one place. So instead of you being fickle and one day you're serving God and the next you're off doing your thing, instead, he says, you're being rooted. You're being established in a certain place in God. And no matter what's going on, if somebody's trying to figure out what you're about, where your mindset is, they know you are stable. I'm not going anywhere. Amen? Hallelujah. And the thing is, the storms of life may come your way and rock you. They may buffet you. But yet, because you're rooted and grounded, you don't have a superficial relationship where you could just be not from side to side. Instead, you are stationed somewhere so that you're not easily moved. You know, I've been doing, um, Kyle and I started working out with Wing Chun, um, a martial art. And one of the things they talk about is having your, your balance 50-50. And they said if your feet aren't properly um, planted or you cross your feet as you're moving, somebody could bump you easy and knock you off balance. So it said the balance is all about your feet being stationed. If I have my feet crossed, somebody bumps me, I could trip over my own feet. But if my feet are planted, somebody could push me like I don't move. Why? Because my stance, my posture, my balance is properly rooted so I'm not easily moving even though something strikes me. And God wants us to be the same way spiritually. Amen. He wants your roots to go down deep. The reason you see trees topple during storms, especially we had a lot of snow and rain and the ground is soaked with moisture. A lot of times the roots are not down deep enough to sustain the weight of what is above the surface. Another reason is that sometimes the soil gets too soft or damp and it causes it to topple over. God wants us to be rooted and grounded in such a way that we are nourished in him and that no matter how many storms come our way, the storm may hit us and knock off a few branches. You might lose a leaf here and there, but you can't knock down the tree. Amen? God wants us to be rooted and grounded. And we see here that we get to the place where we can comprehend the depth, the length, the breadth, the height. (laughs) And through all trials and tribulations to know 
the love of Christ. We see that love of Christ passes all knowledge. Amen. That's so important to us. The love of God. Understanding the love of God, passing all knowledge. That means that in the times you know what God is doing, you're securing the fact that how much he loves you and how he's going to preserve you and provide for you. But in the times that you're clueless, confounded, confused, that you are so grounded in the love of God that even though I don't understand it yet, I know that I am his precious possession. I am his child. And it may not make sense right now. Everything is mayhem, but yet I know that God is going to get me through. And I may not even be able to see God right now in my circumstances, but I know he's there. Why? Because the word that I've absorbed, the word that I've meditated upon, the word that I've professed and the word that I've lived by has been so consistent and strong that even when I can't see him, I know that he's not only present, but he's operating to handle and resolve the situation I'm currently facing. Amen. That's when we can stay stable and be strengthened with all might in God. That even in the times you don't see God. See, it's, it's easy to trust in God when you see him in action. It's easy to trust God when you pray and you hear a response. Or you just feel something in your spirit. Or he gives you a dream to assure you. The times where it's hard to, to trust in God. Amen. It's when you pray, I ain't hearing anything. <laughs> you go to somebody else for wise counsel. Well, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> you study the word. Nothing really seems to speak to me regarding what I'm going through. That's what is a true test to say, am I trusting God in this? I don't see him operating there. But you've got to come to a certain level of trust where you say, you know what? I may not see, detect, discern, or hear God right now. But I just trust him so much from past experience that I know he's not only here, but he's operating. And I'm just looking for the sign or the manifestation of the resolution of my problems, even though I don't see him operating right now. I just had a situation years ago with a child that was uh, with us. The child ran off. And I was like, I'm going to let the child learn a lesson. And the whole time I, I had my eyes on the child and got to the point where the child was lost and was running around like, where's everybody at? And I was at a distance, but I was, I was far enough away that the child couldn't see me, but I was close enough that the child gets too far away. I could run him down and grab him before he engages himself. Amen? But I was like, to teach the lesson not to get too far away from your place of safety beside me I'm going to let you run. But I'm, far, I'm close enough that this gets a little too out of hand. I won't let you dash yourself or hurt yourself or get to a place where you're totally unsafe. So I use it as a learning thing. Same thing with God. Sometimes God will allow us to drift off. Where is God? God's watching the whole time. But sometimes God's trying to teach us, I told you you need to stay close at my side. I told you you need to stay under the umbrella of my protection. And here you go running off again, doing your thing, thinking you know where you're going, and starting to get lost. And the longer you stay lost, the more nervous you get. And now you're saying, where is God? All of a sudden, I want him, but I can't even find him. But yet, God says, the whole time I was watching you, but sometimes I got to let you run loose so you can see the dangers that are out there. So you can see how important it is to stay where I told you to stay. And the next time you know that instead of you running off doing your own thing, Keep it close. 
even if you're out there running. I'll let you run a little bit, but when I see you about to get yourself hurt, I'll snatch you up. But sometimes I got to let you learn a little something. Amen? So God, he wants us to get to the place, like I said, where even when we're out there roaming around, getting lost, even when we're not where we need to be, even when we're not listening to him, get to the place where we grow and we understand that we need to stay close and rooted in him even when we can't necessarily see him in operation. And we see here the end result. So we come to the place that we know the love of Christ. And we see that it passes all knowledge and comprehension. And we see here that it says that we should be filled, amen, with the fullness of God. Once again, we see that word might. We all can get saved that cry out to Jesus Christ for, for our personal Lord and Savior. We all can be quickly guaranteed eternal life. But to know the fullness of God, once again, we see a conditional that you might be filled. All Christians are not filled with the fullness of God. And the shame about the thing is that God wants it to happen. But the ones that are going to be filled with it, as we saw, are the ones that stay close to God, retain their bold confidence in God, obey God, start to walk in his character. And we see at the top of this, one of the key things is, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you bent your knees to what God wants, to what God is teaching, to what God is speaking, to what God is directing you to do in this time and season? If you want to be filled with the fullness of God and strengthened in all might, sometimes we have to bow our knees. I don't want to do it. Last time I checked, we serve a Savior that did not want to do it. But what did he say? Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus himself bent his knees. He had an opportunity. He could have ran for his life. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. But yet we struggle with similar things, and yet none of us are going to a cross. Jesus said, didn't I tell you to be here? I don't feel like it. I need a break today. I just want to relax at home today. That's your not my will, but yours be done moment. But are you saying not my will, but yours be done? But sorry, Lord, it's my way today. We have a lot of not my will but yours be done moments. And unfortunately, a lot of people are giving over to their own wills. When, when that moment comes, the response is not not my will but yours be done, but they're like, oh, maybe next time. No, Lord. I don't feel like it, Lord. I have an excuse, Lord. I mean, we, we do our will as opposed to his. But then we want to be strengthened with all might. If we don't bend our knees, how can we be strengthened in all might? And how can we be filled with the fullness of God? The, the fullness of God does not come into a vessel that is not yielded. That's why book of John 3.30 says, let me decrease that you might increase. The Amplified says, let me become less prominent, let you become more prominently so. God can't put the fullness into a flesh suit that says, I'm in control. 
The fullness of God can only come through when you say Brian Fox or Tony Davenport or Linda Graham. Or, you know, it, the fullness of him can only come in when, when there's areas of conflict between the will of the man or woman and the will of God the Father. The fullness of God can only come in when we in our flesh don't want to do the will of God, but yet we say, I bend the knees and let your will supersede what my desires are. As long as we're in that tug of war, and Paul talked about it, a war raging in his members in the book of Romans, as long as we're having that conflict and that war with God, and yet we do what we want, the fullness of him and his desires cannot come through. So therefore, the only way we can get to the place where we're fully walking in obedience with him is if we bend our knees and say, not my will, but yours be done. So that doesn't mean, in other words, that your desires may change. It just means that despite your desires, I bend my knee and I do what you told me to do. So God may not necessarily empty you of what your desires are. You may still want it, but that's a part of the maturing process. I realize as a grown man, there's certain stuff I want, but because it's not the best for you know, the family, my church, my job, there's certain things I want, and I still desire them, but I got to suck it up and take one for the team. I do that at my job all the time. There's certain things that I want for the project I'm working on, and I think that are better than what we're doing. But instead of me debating back and forth, I'm like, all right, I'll let that one go. I'm taking one for the team. And as a result, the project is very successful and growing by the month. But everything associated with one project is not what Brian Fox would have done. Some things I win, Brian, you know what? We went back and forth a little bit discussing it. You know what? You're right. We'll do that. Other things, like I know I'm right, but it's just like, well, if it's going to be a debate or it's going to like hinder the process, getting into motion, all right, I'll drop it. And they may sometimes come back and say, you know what, Brian? You were right. We should do it. There's a lot of things in this project. I told them from day one, we should have done. No, no, no. And we went in another direction only for it to fail. What was that you said again, Brian? Okay, let's do it your way. Now the project is, is, is doing great. But sometimes winning is yielding to everybody else even when you're right. But in a situation with God, we just need to yield all the time. <laughs> so how can we get the fullness of God as long as we are trying to be in control and in the driver's seat? We cannot get to the place where the fullness of God is in operation as long as we are ruling ourselves. We have to give, give up rulership and ownership of ourselves and hand it over to God. And then once we yield, he says, ah, I have a vessel that wants to meet my purposes. Now all the fullness of the insight of what I need you to do will come into your life in terms of revelation. And then all the spiritual authority, influence, and anointing you need to get it done will flow in as well because the anointing of God and the authority of God does not flow in a flesh vessel that is in control of itself. The authority and anointing of God flows in a yielded vessel that says, God, what do you want to be done? I walk in agreement with it. And because of that, God says, I can invest my, flat, my power and my influence into you. Amen. So it is about being yielded to the Spirit of God that the fullness of God and his strength will be lent into our circumstances. Hallelujah. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. 
unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So we see here, we might even have things in our life that buffet us. (laughs) And I'm sure none of us like being buffeted. But we see sometimes these thorns in the flesh, these things that buffet us, they actually are meant to keep that ego down. Some of them are meant to keep us dependent upon God. Because without them buffeting us and keeping us in our place, we would get to the point where we would exalt ourselves and think we're more than we are. I tell you, one of the times where I knew I depended on the Lord was the most was when I was have, suffering during the years of asthma with panic attacks. Or it ain't nothing like a panic attack that lets you know you need God because your brain is basically saying, I'm about to die. And every molecule in your body is like your hairs are standing on end. You feel like you need to jump to safety. And, I mean, there was times like I would be on the speed line heading into Philly, going across the bridge, looking out that water, and I like, felt like breaking out a window and just jumping because the panic level is that high. I mean, they even talk about that. I saw documentaries with roller coasters and horror movies now where they try to trigger the part of your brain that says, I'm about to die, the death response. And your body goes into a state of elevation, heart rate up, adrenaline flowing. Like, it's a response to, like, the death instinct, like self-preservation. But when that thing is out of control, that self-preservation thing could go into, like, hastiness to jump out and do anything to get out of that moment And that circumstance, which will actually lead you into actually killing yourself or committing suicide because the the impulse is so strong, I'm going to die. I can't breathe. And there would be times I would sit there and I'd be thinking, okay, I'm breathing. Okay, I'm not having an asthma attack. I'm breathing. But yet my mind, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I'd be sitting there, full breath. The lungs are working. I'm not wheezing. But my mind's, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I would literally be in a battle. And I would have to recite scriptures to myself and praise and sometimes put on praise and worship music until it would go away. But in the moment that that attack was hitting, every fiber, every molecule in my body is like, I'm going to die. And that sense of panic, like I said, is so high that you could actually do stuff in the haste of it to kill yourself. It was that strong. So I know what it's like to have stuff buffeted you. And I went through years of that when I'm like, Lord, take this away from me. Like, you know, I would be calling, you know, you know uh, we're perfect love is no fear. And, you know, in Lord, you know, uh, the spirit of fear, we have power. The spirit of fear, we have power, love, and a sound mind. I would be quoting scriptures, and that stuff would be all over me. I was like, Lord, why? You know? But I can tell you one thing. In those times, I was like, I was hanging on for dear life. Jesus, you got to help me. And that's the only thing that got me through. So in my life, I had that as something I had to combat. You may have something else, but the reality is the, the, the greatest time of knowing how much you need him is in those times of desperation where nothing else can help you. Amen? Paul 
had a thorn in the flesh that buffeted him, and he said, take it away from me. He asked three times, and the Lord's like, nope, not going to do it. But, it. but even though he says, I'm not going to do it so that you don't get exalted above measures, because think about the ministry of Paul. They say he probably went 1,300 square miles on boat, horse, foot. That was a bad boy for the gospel, using today's slam. He was bad. He was a superstar preacher. And his personality type, that he was aggressive, <laughs> he, he was a, a Pharisee, he was a Roman citizen. You know, with all the accolades and everybody knew him, pride could come and say, yeah, I'm, I am all that. But God said, I'm going to let you be buffeted. Why? Keep that, that little ego down a little bit. Keep you down a notch. But even though he denied his request to get healed or delivered from the thing that buffeted him, he says, even though I, I, re, I deny your request and I won't do it, he says, even in the midst of you struggling with it, I'll give you the grace to continue on. And the strength that even in your own weakness, I'll give you what you need as you depend on me for the things that you can't overcome. As you trust in me, yield to me, hang on for dear life with me with necessary, I'll give you the strength to overcome it and continue to fulfill the call that I have for your life. So my word for you today is that you may not overcome all your inadequacies and all your defects and your quirks and your imperfections, but if you yield to the Spirit of God, in those very areas, he will supplement you or complement you or empower you to overcome them. That's why Moses had a problem with stuttering. He says, you know, my mouth, how can I speak? I have a stuttering problem. And God was like, wasn't I with your mouth? In other words, when your mouth was created, and when you were a toddler, you know, and a baby, goo goo gaga, and when you were toddlers just learning how to talk, I was right there as your tongue and your teeth and your mouth and the air in your lungs started putting out words. And yet, even in the midst of that, knowing that you would need to be a spokesman before a nation to deliver my people, I sat back and allowed you to become a stutterer. He's like, don't blame the person who taught you to speak. Don't blame your nerves or the people that mock, mocked you. Don't blame any of that. I was there the whole time that you became a stutterer, knowing that I needed you to be a spokesman. We said, guess what? If you say yes to my will for your life, Aaron, your brother, will go along with you. And he will speak. And the same way you are my prophet, being my mouthpiece before people, representing me, the same way you will be as a God to Pharaoh who thinks he's a man God, and Aaron will be your prophet to you speaking on your behalf the same way you speak on my behalf. So in other words, I'm aware of your flaws, but if you yield yourself to me and bend the knee, I will strengthen you to overcome all your inadequacies to continue to fulfill the call I have for your life. So we are strengthened with all might, even in our weaknesses. That very thing we hate, that very thing we're ashamed about, that very thing like, Lord, I asked you 2,000 times, can you just take this away from me? I got a personality flaw. I got a couple battle scars. I got some wounds or I got some things about me I just totally, I don't even dislike them. I loathe them. Take them away from me and I'll serve you. And God might say, nope, but I'll give you the grace and work with them. I'll send you an errand. I'll come at your side. I'll do whatever you need to get you over the hump to walk in deliverance and authority and power and success if you bend your knee and trust in me and allow me to give you the grace. But it comes through bending the knee and saying, not my will, but yours be done. Amen.
Hallelujah. You know, we're going to close with that for today. Continuing on next week. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Anybody needs prayer? I'm going to do a general prayer, but if anybody needs a special prayer, feel free to come forward. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise, thank you, and glorify you, Lord, for everything you're doing in our lives. And we just thank you right now, Father, for having your hand of protection upon us, for having a plan and a purpose for our lives, and even through our ups and downs, our bumps and our bruises, the times in which we've gone off track, and the times that we failed you, Lord, you continue to have love for us, a fervent love for each one of us. And I just praise and thank you, Father, that uh, in the process we're in right now, that if we're not exactly where we're called to be, that you continue, Father, to direct us, to guide us, to strengthen us, to fill us with all fullness and insight, that we can have a walk worthy of you. And we, right now we repent of any areas in which we've been disobedient and knowing knowingly being disobedient, we ask you, Father, to um, cleanse our hearts of unrighteousness and to show us, Father, how to walk, hallelujah, according to your will. We thank you, Father, continue to strengthen us as we would study your word to show ourselves approved, Father, that we would walk according to it in its proper context. And, Lord, as we would go out and, and pursue various endeavors academically in terms of our careers, in terms of our family ministry, Lord, that you would bless us in every avenue. We just praise and thank you, Father, for this and just give you the glory, honor, and praise that you who have begun a good work in us will complete it. Right now, we ask you to bless all those who are coming in for the spelling bee this afternoon as well. Just um, bless them all, Father. Uh, give all the children a comfort level as they would uh, spell the various words. Let them have fun. Let it be an educational experience and something that will encourage them to continue to excel in their education. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for this. And Lord, give us a good uh, journey home and a, a peaceful, productive week. We just thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory and honor, Father, for these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> thank you, Lord Jesus.